0: Welcome to Whisco Dice.
1: Welcome to Wisco Dice.
0: Hey, yo, folks, it's the Conzi with the most. What is going on? I am joined by the one, the only, the stark, the raving, the mad one himself. Hey, Brian, what is going on?
1: Yo, yo, yo. Finally, Wisco Dice is back.
0: We're back. <laughs> back in the saddle again. How about them apples?
1: Pretty awesome. Let's see if we remember how to do all this.
0: That, that is true. It's been uh, about a year and a half, year and almost two years now since we've actually recorded a full episode. So uh, just real quick, it is January 6th, 2021. We are recording episode 76 of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast. Woo! Yeah, woo! So obviously we said we're back. I want to just kind of real quick touch on something for all you folks out there we are planning this to be a regular monthly episode uh, recording again i've been hit up at conventions i've been hit up uh, online when are you going to record when are you going to record when are you going to record when are you going to do shows we're back we're finally back in the saddle life (laughs) happened it took some time to get that straight both brian and i had some life things that went on it's resolved we're able to get back in front of the microphone and for you guys um we are happy to still be here and and not be the podcast that just died and went nowhere how often brian are we going to be putting out episodes every month <laughs> and indeed our, our release schedule is planned for the
1: second and that might even be more than before
0: yep even potentially more of that but we're going to plan to at least have a brand new episode in your podcast cast feed on the second friday in every month that's awesome. It is. So, Brian, what what do you think the listeners can expect of the show from now on? Uh,
1: I guess it's going to be a lot of different gaming coverage. Um, I guess that's maybe a little different from what we did previously, but definitely a lot more board games happening right now. Um, things, obviously, with COVID are a lot different and a lot harder to get together and play games, so haven't had a chance to do a lot of miniature game pushing. Um, we're still involved with those, but a lot more virtual board gaming and has been happening as of late.
0: Yep. I would totally agree with that. And then the other thing we probably try to get some, some stuff in if we actually do hobby is we'll probably do some hobby talk on some of these shows as well. And just maybe give give some tips about painting miniatures or whatever it is we're working on that we're really inspired on. But I think those are going to be the two main topic areas that we're going to be talking about in upcoming shows.
1: Yeah. I assume the hobby part would always be a mainstay, I guess, of what we're up to.
0: That's the hopes. Let's jump into what games we've been playing recently. You made mention of a lot of online gaming, Brian, so why don't you go ahead and kick things off. What are some of the games that you've played recently?
1: Yeah, so we still managed to get together for some board gaming every now and again. I guess there's a few virtual resources out there. Just as simply as using like a webcam and Discord, you managed to figure out pretty good to host some games that way, having like a webcam set up to film the board and then either like pictures and a chat channel and Discord has worked really well for us. And we were playing Mysterium Park that way. Probably a lot of people I assume are familiar with Mysterium at this point. Mysterium Park is just a kind of a, I'd say a trimmed up more compact version of the regular Mysterium board game. Play is pretty similar, a little different as far as the stages go and a few other parts to it, I guess. But otherwise, it's kind of the same basic idea with the ghost giving people clues and you're trying to pick out from the images you're given to identify. I guess it's, uh, I don't know, Mysterium's a little different. It's like, uh, was it the person who, is it the murderer you're finding or the person who's murdered? I guess I don't recall that now, but...
0: I, I think in regular Mysterium, you're trying to give away... These are various murderers, but not necessarily your murderer, Uh, potentially your murderer that you're giving visions for, and then potentially locations, there are definitely locations where murders happened, and then potentially weapons, whereas Mm -hmm. Mysterium Park, the persons are people who are innocent that you're giving clues to, and then places where it definitely didn't happen is what you're giving clues to, and then ultimately they try to solve your, your murder.
1: Okay, yeah, that's how it works out then. In Mysterium Park, it's all kind of like a carnival themed, so that's a little different than the other version as well. It's
0: yeah, definitely a rethemed and retooled version of the game.
1: But yeah, so that's been pretty fun. A lot of people like Mysterium. It's a good uh, kind of co-op, kind of more of a party than like a hardcore strategy game in my mindset. That's another resource we've been using quite a bit of is Tabletopia. Um, just the other day, we played Cartographers on there. I thought that actually worked out really slick on Tabletopia, compared to. I mean, it's kind of fun to draw it out in the regular game. Like the idea of this game is you're mapping out like your kingdom, or the to be king, new to be kingdom or something like that. So you're given uh, different. It's almost kind of like a Tetris style grid. You're kind of filling in with these different shapes of different types of land areas, and then there's. I think it's different every game because you deal out the cards for it. um, But then there's different scoring mechanics as you go through like a full year. It's broken up into seasons for each scoring round. And then you're drawing out this map and whoever gets the most points created the best kingdom, essentially. And Tabletopia was really cool with that. It worked pretty slick. So there was like little colored chits you would put on your board and it all kind of was dropped right into place and then had all the score counters in there. I thought that was really cool. Tabletopia has been really cool for us. I guess you only need like one membership and then you can have other people join and play games with you. It's pretty slick and there's a fair amount of free games on there, which is pretty cool.
0: You don't even need a paid membership necessarily to play games on Tabletopia. Uh, But the library of available games is is much less if you don't have somebody using a a paid account to get access to all of those uh, Mm -hmm. full-blown games. So the premium, I guess they call them premium games on Tabletopia.
1: I see. Well, yeah, so that was the first time I played Cartographers. Um, I thought it was a pretty cool game, though. and I could definitely be down for playing that again. I thought it was kind of fun, the regular... um, board game version of it it advertises like two to a hundred players or whatever so it's unlimited in player count which is pretty cool and then you can like print out more sheets online for the actual game when you run out of them yep um, then another i think it might be one of my more favorite games i've played recently um artemis project that was available free on boardgameplay.com which was pretty cool it has a pretty slick interface Relatively new, so occasionally you run into a bug, but they fixed one, like, super fast the other day when we ran into one, like, early in our game, so it wasn't a big deal to restart, but I was surprised how fast the admins jumped on that. Anyway, that game, you're trying to, like, kind of colon. well, I don't know if it'd be colonized, but you're, like, settling, I don't remember if it's a alien planet or a moon or something like that, but you're kind of operating the space base and building and, yeah, building your space station kind of thing and getting different workers to come for you. Um, I'm not doing the best job of explaining the theme of that, but it's kind of like a dice worker placement thing. So you roll dice, and that value kind of offers you different abilities at the different kind of resource gathering or other mechanics in the game. But I've really enjoyed playing that one lately.
0: Yeah, I I think the best way I would describe Artemis Project is it's a... You're utilizing dice as your, basically your workers, so it's a dice worker placement game. And then there's a number of ways to mitigate the, the randomness of dice. Really simplified mechanics and, and, and types of resources, but really, really cool gameplay. And it, there's a little bit of backstabbiness and definitely <laughs> some player interaction. And if that's your thing, then Artemis Project is definitely a game I would strongly recommend and check out.
1: But yeah, so that's been pretty cool. I think that's kind of the bigger ones I've played recently, anyway. How about you? What have you been playing?
0: So I've been playing a couple of games from Stonemeyer Games recently. Uh, one of them's by the name of... Uh, it's called Pendulum. And in Pendulum, it is a real-time worker placement game. Now, that seems to break everything you would think about in worker placement. But basically... Uh, there are a number of timers on the board, and where those timers are positioned, your if your worker is on a spot where a timer is locked, then you can do anything in that action row. You can actually do the actions where your workers are. If your timer is not in, and these are little hourglass timers, if the hourglass is not in the timer row or in the in the in the row uh, that you uh, where you're putting your workers, then you can place your workers there. So it's uh, you know, once timer is forty five seconds, and every and when it runs out, any player can can go ahead and flip it, and cool. uh to the other row, uh in that section. So there's like a purple section and a green section, and I think a black section on the board. And then, uh, based on where your workers are, you're either resolving actions or you're placing your workers. And you can pl- you can move around your workers if you decide you wanted to place them a little bit differently. Uh, it's been it's a crazy hectic game. It's probably not for everyone, but I love it because it's it's real time and it and it makes it so that you can't just comp you can't contemplate out every action in its minuscule detail. You kinda you're gonna go in and I don't kinda think I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, it would some people it would definitely be nerve wracked by this game. And there is a way to take the timers out of it, but it just in my opinion, that's part of the attractiveness of this game, so that's Pendulum. Yeah, that
1: sounds like a really unique feature.
0: Yeah, and we're actually going to, the same day this show is releasing, you can go to the Wisco Dice website and catch our review of Pendulum. In addition, the other the other Stonemaier game that I've played recently is Tapestry, and I played it part, it, it's one of my most played games in 2020, very surprisingly so, so for a game I didn't think in 2019 that would even be buying let alone (laughs) purchasing now the expansion for it but the they recently released a plots employee expansion for tapestry and basically in tapestry you're playing a civilization building game it's very loosely themed i should say it's the immersion into the civilization building mechanic is pretty loose but that the civilization building theme is there it's definitely you can definitely feel it in the types of actions and there's basically on your turn you're going to do You're going to advance your cube on one of four tracks on the outside of the board and then execute uh, the action on that uh, location where you moved up and then by spending resources to be able to take that action. and, And then it may give you a bonus thing that you can do that you could spend some more resources or something for. And then at some point you run out of resources and you have to take what's called an income turn which is basically you go through a number of steps, play a tapestry card on your bo- on your civilization board and do a bunch of other steps, gather but ultimately gather your income and score a ton of points. And as the game progresses, you tend to score more points and it's a bit of a point salad game, but it's it's a really simple mechanics the big downer with it or the potentially amazing thing for it, depending on your artistic taste, are the monument uh, tokens, I guess is what I would call them, but they're like these giant little bigotures that come with the game that you can acquire during the game and place on your capital city board and and they're really they're I'm, i' I don't I'm not amazed by them, but they're kind of cool looking and they represent different types of significant structures that you would have built in your capital over time. So that's Tapestry, and, and something I've really enjoyed playing uh, a bunch, uh, particularly in 2020. And then the final game I'm going to touch on, and that's Clank Legacy. Uh, now, this is a, not a Stonemeyer game. This is uh, a, a, a legacy game. And what a legacy game is, is a game where you're playing the board game, and then over the series of plays, you're going to modify the components to the game, whether, whether you're putting stickers on the game, or you're throwing out components or you're just ripping up components or some something that you're doing to the game so that the game state will forever be changed. Now, the nice thing about Clank Legacy is when you're done playing the 10 games of the Legacy game, you you have a board game that's now completely customized that you can play with your friends, play a a customized version of Clank and in Clank you're basically playing a deck building game where you're going to be able to purchase new cards or fight off monsters and you need to dive into in the normal Clank uh, you have to dive into a dungeon and try to get as many relics and then get back out and whoever scores the most basically points whether it's from gold coins or these relics or other treasure tokens that they acquire during the way is the winner so it's it's kind of a push your luck with deck building as well as a uh, a map that you're going to be moving through so a very very fun game we've been having a blast playing it we just finished our third game of Clank legacy into it And i'm not going to give any of the spoilers away but i'm just going to say it's if you get a chance to play clink legacy it's totally worth it if you can and pick it up i think it's from one to four players is what the legacy campaign goes or maybe it's two to four players You don't need a full four-player group to play this and get it to the table. That's Clay Legacy. That's really, I think, the three games I've I've been playing lately that I wanted to highlight today. We'll see what comes up for next month. Now, let's move on to our main topic. So what are we talking about today, Brian?
1: Uh, Another game, Architects of the West Kingdom.
0: All right, so let's start in. For these kind of board game reviews, we're going to break them down into three segments. We're going to talk about the components quality. We're going to talk about the gameplay, give you kind of an overview of how the game works. And then we're just going to give us our overall thoughts. You know, is it a good game? Should you go out, buy it? That kind of thing. Um, Now, this is going to apply, I think, if we talk about... Miniature games as well in the future. We're going to break, you know, if we do a miniatures game review, it'll be very similar, but we might be talking instead of the components quality, we might be talking more about the miniatures quality. So that's kind of how I think we're going to structure that. If there are other things you guys want us to hear as we go through these game reviews and you want to see if we'd add it in, please let us know. We're very available on all of our social media outlets, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you want to go ahead and send us an email and talk to us that way, we are happy to hear from you and get and take your feedback. We're looking to continue to improve these reviews that we do for not only the board games, but in all of the miniature games we plan on reviewing as well. So that said, let's talk about the components. Now, Brian, I think it's been a while since you've actually sat down and played the physical copy of this game, hasn't it?
1: Um, I actually don't think I did play the physical copy. Uh-oh. I think I've played it virtual. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> uh, well, there's Conzi figuring something out. Well, I will talk about the components quality anyways, because I own a copy of Architects of the West Kingdom. So it was, the game's been out for a little while now, and it was uh, about a year ago that I was introduced to this game. And at a, at a little event that a f- real good friend of mine puts on c- that we, we call politely Cabin Con, which is just a little inv- invitational event that we all go to every year. And we're all just playing, like, we just play a ton of board games over the course of four to five days and drink a lot of alcohol and have a great time. Now, in architects, the, the components themselves, uh, all of the components, they have this this art style that I think is really cool. Um, it's very crisp art on the, on the player boards, the game board, and all the cards and other components. I do find that the game art sometimes particularly on the game board can be almost a little too much to be able to sort out where the action spots are. That's something that you can see on the online version as well. I mean when we talk about the online version we're talking about the Tabletopia implementation. Brian, is there anything with the, like the game board or components with on the virtual on the virtual version that uh seems to be really cool in your mind?
1: I mean it does have a lot of art going on like you said. When I first saw it, it was really hard to kind of determine what you were doing on the game board, like looking for steps or something like that. But, I mean, as soon as you got in a few turns, it all kind of made sense. And the board placement is really like a free placement, so there wasn't really a set order necessarily to doing anything on there. So once you kind of got the rhythm of it, it all kind of worked out, I think. But, yeah, really colorful and nice art and a lot of different characters there's also a lot of like female characters was well, kind of a cool thing in the game
0: I think as far as the components themselves all of the components are pretty uh pretty cool it comes in a really small game box for the for the size of the game the amount of table space it takes up it does take up quite a bit of table space the board itself unfolds uh pretty significantly Uh, there's a number of components you have laying around all over the place outside of the uh, boards, and then you have these really thin card player boards that come uh, in the game, and there you have this really super glossy coat, and that's the same gloss coat that's on the cards themselves. I find that those tend to slide around, and it's something that holds true for all of the the West Kingdom-style games, whether you're talking about Paladins of the West Kingdom or the Viscounts of the West Kingdom games. Uh, so components just kind of slide around a bit. Wooden tokens that come in the game are all—they're all shaped uh, appropriately. So the marble is shaped like a, a little blue square. Gold is square-shaped like a little gold bar. The clay and and wood are shaped like the what you would expect them to be. Um, there's thick card punch-out coins that are that are included in the in the game. So there's there's all kind of the standard stuff. Certainly, if you're a big components guy like I am. The wooden components and the punch out coins are they're okay. You definitely wish you'd have something a little bit better, but I'm okay with them. It's 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 definitely for the price point, it's it's exactly what you'd expect, but there's a whole lot of game inside that little box for the price point. So
1: What do you think about the size of components? Are they like pretty easy to handle and not like obnoxiously big at the same time?
0: They're not no they're I think they're pretty much the standard size you would expect. Maybe a little on the smaller side. Um, like, I find that the wood particularly, like, it's cool in its little shape, but it's they're so thin because they're almost, I don't know, they're like thin bolts. They're, almost, they're a little bit bigger than a toothpick as far as thickness. So they're a little bit challenging to pick up and grab sometimes, you know, or if you're trying to grab three or four, but. Otherwise, I think the components are just those are they're just fine for the like I said the price point that you're getting and 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 about and pretty appropriately a size maybe a hair undersized from what you would expect but nothing too significant. All right, so let's talk about the gameplay itself. What you're going to do in the game is you're basically playing as some kind of lord in this local area and. You're going to utilize the workers that report to you to do various actions on the game board to collect resources, construct buildings, construct the cathedral, and all of these things you're going to be doing, as well as hiring apprentices, you're going to be doing with the ultimate goal of scoring points. So you are given, I believe it's 20 workers at the beginning of the game, and you don't have any way of earning additional workers. Those workers you're going to take, and when it's your turn, you will place it on one of any of the available action spots on the board. Some of those action spots will give you uh, resources. Some of those action spots will let you build buildings. Some of those action spots will let you hire apprentices. And over the course of the game, you will slowly run out of these workers. So there's an additional action spot that you're allowed that allows you to gather up workers. Now, those workers that you gather up don't necessarily have to be your workers. They could be your opponent's workers. So, And if you capture your opponent's workers, you can send them to the dungeon, basically, or to the tower, and then your opponent can have to waste an action to go get them out. And when you sell your opponent's dudes to the the, uh, tower, and yes, I do mean sell, you get good money out of it. You get a... You get a coin for you get a silver coin for every one you 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 uh, turn in because you know your opponents they're probably a little underhanded and, and during, doing dirty deals so it's imp- you know that's a that's a big thing that happens in the game. Uh, the other thing that happens in the game is you have this concept of virtue. So there is a virtue uh, virtue track on the left hand side of the game on the game board, and during the game as you do things such as going to the black market or building certain nefarious buildings within the city, you will lose virtue. But you are also going to gain virtue if you give the king resources, or build on his cathedral, you're going to gain virtue. And at certain points, uh, there are definitely advantages to losing virtue, as well as advantages to gaining virtue. The biggest the biggest advantage disadvantage is going to be gaining victory points or losing victory points but as well there are other little little tidbits of of bonuses as you either decrease your virtue so far or you increase your um, virtue so far ultimately at the end of the game when you're all done placing all of your workers you're and, and there is a a I can't remember the name of the section on the board, but it's it's the guild hall section of the board. That's what it's called. So when you go to the guild hall, you're able to place a worker. The place worker is placed there permanently, but it doesn't let you build either on the cathedral, paying some resources and discarding a building card, or you can use it to build a building card out of your hand, which will give you probably something either instantaneously or an end game scoring bonus, or um, give you some other immediate type effects. So when, you're, when when that guild hall section of the board fills up based on the number of players in the game with pl- permanently placed workers, that triggers the game end, there is one more final round, and then you do the scoring. Whoever has the most points, like I said earlier, that's the person who's going to win. What do you think about that gameplay, Brian? Is that, you know, I, I think this is, yeah, obviously this is a game I think we both enjoy, but uh, from a gameplay perspective... What what makes what's intrigues you about that gameplay?
1: Um, I think it's been pretty fun. Um, I do like that there's some player interaction, but you're not always trying to stab each other in the back. So like, there's only that little mechanic of stealing your opponent's workers occasionally, and usually that's kind of a valid reason to do so. So it's not the worst and like game wrecking thing or anything like that. And otherwise, it's just kind of a there's a little bit of competition for who take certain spots like Sooner and building stuff like that. Um, Otherwise, I really kind of like you're left to your own strategy for the most part, um, gathering your resources and just kind of competing to be the best rather than trying to backstab each other all the time. Um, I guess you could probably play a little dirtier and maybe try to screw people over all the time, but I've really liked kind of picking your own track. Um, There's also a few different ways to score points. So, you can always try a different way every time you've played. Like I've kind of tried a few things; none of them have really worked out for me because I don't think I've won a game yet. But it's always been pretty fun.
0: That sounds awesome. So yeah, I think uh, as far as my overall thoughts on this game, Architects of the West Kingdom is when I and I think I talked about it on my most recent diary episode. It it showed up as one of my number five around my top five games of 2020 was when I got introduced to this game I had never really heard of it I had kind of heard of the West Kingdom series and they were still putting out they hadn't put out the third game in the series at that point Uh, I got introduced to it and the art style at the time I was like "Eh, it's a little cartoonish maybe it's a little kiddish of a game and I realized after playing it That, oh my goodness, there was a lot of game here and it was a ton of fun. And I immediately picked it up and I brought it home and I got it out to board game night a couple of times before we had to lock down for COVID. And being able to play it online with friends, it's been a very easy game through the Tabletopia implementation to get people to play. And there's a great, there's a number of great uh, how to plays out there, how to play videos out there by other, you know, other uh, content providers, uh, content creators. And, it makes it a really easy game to get people going, get started. And while yes, I think the the up ramp the first time you play is a little bit off because there's a ton of action spaces and you're really not sure what to do. Once you kind of get the gist of the first two or three actions, what aren't necessarily critical, and your opening hand of building cards as well as the cathedral track kind of give you some guidance as to maybe the you know if you haven't played, these are some of the things you might want to do and should be kind of help guide you for those first three or four worker placements and then you're like oh okay i got the game and then how do i do this and how do i do that and and these kind of things really help uh overall i think this game is a really good game i would definitely strongly recommend it uh for someone's game collection and i think brian we're gonna do make something up on the fly here but i think we should uh, do like a one to ten rating on board games uh very similar to what board game geek does and uh, give this kind of a, a one to 10 type rating. you know, is this a, a 10 being, "Oh my God, uh, this I just built the most amazing building ever in my life." or a one being, "Oh Lord, the whole hovel just fell down on top of my head, and I got one of those big cartoon lumps. So what do, what do you think, Brian? Where would you rate architects of the West Kingdom on that scale?
1: Um, I've really liked it, and it seems like a pretty quality game. Um, I guess as for my personal opinion, I'd probably give it probably an eight or so. Like, I'm definitely willing to replay it many times. Like, nothing soured me on the game at all, and it seems really good. So, I think I'd give it an eight.
0: All right, and I would definitely give this game. I'd give this game a solid seven. It's got a couple of mechanical pr- things mostly with the way the game physical game components and I think you'll find that I'm a little bit more harsh on game components than some <laughs> other reviewers but uh I think there's some things with the game components themselves uh that bother me slightly uh and take away maybe a little bit from the gameplay uh but the gameplay itself is in my mind is makes up more than makes up for that so Uh, i'm usually willing to play this if somebody gets it out and says hey let's play architects of the west kingdom i'm usually willing to play it uh and i do find that every time i've played it i've had a very enjoyable game
1: yeah i've noticed every time i've played like i feel like something is kind of like different in the flow of the game based on like maybe the buildings i get in my hand to start or like the artisans that come up on the board like every time I've kind of tried a different strategy and every time like something seems to go a little different. So that's been really cool in the replayability, at least for me anyway.
0: All right. So that is architects of the West kingdom. Go out, check it out. You can play it on tabletopia. You can check it out before you have to buy, you know, before you buy a physical copy. But I will say that renegade game studios who published this game, they've made a game that I think is going to be, a game that people are going to be picking up and purchasing for years to come. So definitely, I think, uh, from Brian and I, this one's getting a whiskered Dice seal of approval.
1: For sure. I did have one other question going back to the components. Since there are so many of them, Like, is there some way they're stored in the box, or are they just kind of loose and you got to like bag them all? I was just curious yeah. about that.
0: So if, if I recall, and it's been a while since I unboxed this thing, if I recall, they give you a number of little baggies, and I have all of my components stored in baggies, which is pretty pretty common for board games. But yep. they just little little plastic bags that you you put everything in, and that the box is so small that it, it and, and and it's a bit heavy that there's not a lot of room. Whether you get out the game board and the other components in the box, and then you get all of, you know all of the baggies of stuff on top of it. There's not a lot of room for things to move around inside the box, so that's nice. But, yeah, there is no organizer or anything like that within the box.
1: Yeah, and then generally, I guess, unless you have little trays or something, you just got to scatter the pile of resources throughout the table because there's not really board game spots where those resource chits are, like, sitting. So you got to collect them from some pot.
0: That That's actually a really good point. So, actually, I'll put it in the show notes on the Wisco Dice website. We use they were for baking cups. So they're like silicone baking cups that we use to put those components in which helps us keep the organization of the physical game or any physical board game uh, organized on the table a bit more and then we can give players those little silicone cups as well so they can kind of keep their stuff organized in their you know on their in their player area as well. So those work out really well for not only this game but you know pretty much any game that that has components that are like in just little piles off to the side of the board. And it makes it nice that if somebody's sitting on the other side of the board where the components are and they need to get three wood, you can just tandem the silicone cup. Here you go. And then they grab what they need and hand it back.
1: Yeah. And since you weren't um, super enamored with some of the pieces in the game, have you noticed any, like, I don't know if secondhand is the right word, but I see a lot of things where people, like, 3D print their own pieces and stuff like that or even sell them on something like Etsy and stuff like that. Have you seen any? like alternative pieces that catch your eye for this game at all. I don't know how many there are for it.
0: Stonemeyer ran a game, uh, I went back to Stonemaier, they ran a Kickstarter, uh, several Kickstarters a while back for um, basically replacement game components, and so I have those on hand. Uh, But there are a number of Etsy sellers that sell replacement bits uh, for this game, or there's a couple of other big vendors out online that have replacement bits For this game so that you could get like replacement and and getting replacement components like wood and stone and brick and uh, coins uh, are all fairly easy and fairly common components the marble was is the interesting one in this game as far as finding uh, a cool replacement component but uh, I do plan on I do plan on have uh, acquiring replacement components uh, at least you know which will be just the marble which is the one I'm missing right now that I can sit in my components boxes in uh, and, and be able to use uh, as a kind of an ad hoc basis uh, I will put some links as well that is a good point I will put some links for that as well uh, on the Wisco dice page for a couple of different alternate components uh, companies that have that I can find that are Great alternate components for uh, this particular game.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. They are pretty generic pieces, so I'm sure there's a lot of variety out there you can choose from. I don't know if it's the mini game gamer in me or something, but I don't know. Having cool little components is kind of fun.
0: <laughs> well, and I just put up, like, ju- just as one of the alternate components, uh, I, the coins themselves. Uh, I think it was this week's uh, Kickstart Monday, so when it came out on the uh, 4th, I believe. So the yep, Monday, January 4th is Kickstart Monday, which is a blog series uh, that I do where I talk about I find two Kickstarters every week and talk about those projects a little bit uh, and give you some reasons why I think you might be interested in backing them. And so on this week's uh, episode I, or, or blog article, I did uh, target a Kickstarter that had replacement metal coin bits. Um, which uh, for any of your board games or role-playing games where you need metal coins. And then I talked about uh, also a rep- replacement components uh, Kickstarter as well. So a couple of really cool Kickstarters. Maybe that wasn't this money. Maybe that was a while back, actually. I don't think that was this money because I think I talked about DICE. I should actually look at the website before <laughs> I start. Uh, nope, there was the Blinging in the Games one. So their Blinging in the Games is... Uh, uh from Vesuvius Media and that had a bunch of cool alternate game components not necessarily any for this comp- for this game but some cool alternate game components for other board games you might be interested in but like I said I'll find I'll find a couple articles uh, or a couple of uh, links to uh particularly vendors that sell alternate components that I think you might be interested in if you want to bling up your Architects of the West Kingdom game okay so real quick We've obviously brought back the show and we appreciate so much for you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, It means so much to us that you're still engaged and still with us. And for you guys that are new listeners, we are so excited to have you be part of the Wisco Dice community. Make sure if you do, you know, you enjoyed what we did here, you enjoy the show that you leave us a review on any of your favorite places where you can go download and listen podcasts. We really appreciate that. Whatever search algorithms these things do to help suggest podcasts to other people will help us continue to grow our gaming community, and that only is going to benefit you guys as the listeners. Also, take the time to give us a like on our Facebook page. Super appreciate that. Don't forget to also follow us, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram uh, and or Pinterest, which we are just starting to think about doing something with. We've created an account. We are working on trying to figure out how we're going to do some content for that as well. Finally, if you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog. We've mentioned the website a couple of times. But just in case you weren't sure, that website is wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what was that website again?
1: It is WiscoDice.com.
0: Ah, that is right. It is WiscoDice.com. If you have any other questions or comments, please reach out to us. We're also available via email. All of our contacts are on our website at WiscoDice.com. That's it, folks. Until next time, peace out.
1: Bye, bye, bye.